Thank you, Pastor. (laughs) It's such a joy to be here in the presence of our Father and to worship him. Amen? Amen. We are Pentecostal. It's okay to say that, I promise. It's really nice to see the sun peeking through, too. I've missed that for the past couple of days. I want to welcome you to his house and welcome to those of you joining us online. I want to give a quick, I promise, quick, Bob, life story and application to this beautiful psalm we are opening the service with today. My husband and I recently went through the extremely tedious process of buying a home. There were many moments we thought it wouldn't happen for us. But we were encouraged by countless people here that God knew exactly what it was that we needed and where he wanted us. Without those people, I'm not sure we would have made it through. There are so, so many that I can't name them all, but I want to give a very special thank you to Pastor Jason and to Joy and to Tony. Without your love, guidance, and support, our lives would not have changed. So thank you. I think it's a beautiful thing that I can't name every name in this room that stood alongside of us in prayer. I really hope that you have that here at FDC in your time of need, and I'm here if you need it, whenever you need it. You can find me sitting in the back behind one of those computers. What does this have to do with Psalm 139, though? Everything. You see, all of these wonderful earthly friends may have walked alongside of us, but it was our Heavenly Father that knew our hearts unlike anyone else. You see, our relationship with our Father is the most important one we will ever have this side of heaven. And when we get to see him one day, he knows you like no other. You may think that your friends understand you. You may think your spouse really gets you but not like him. He formed you in the womb. He knows every hair on your head. It really is too amazing for us to truly understand. Let's hear what David had to say about it in Psalm 139. Doc, I'm going to read from the NLT. I hope you forgive me this morning. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. And sometimes I thank him for when he puts his hand right there. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. What a promise. I hope you hold on to that today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your love and your faithfulness. I pray that we could give you a fraction of that in return, that all of our hearts would be truly yours. I pray for this service and for every aspect, from welcoming to closing from the singing to the sermon, for the online presence and for those sitting here in the pews, that we would please you and show you how much we really do love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me and with a renewed sense of understanding of our Father, recite this creed with me.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the day. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. I am a Christian. Amen. Let's worship. As we begin today, I would encourage you to rejoice. And what does it mean to rejoice? It's a verbalization of your praise. It's something you do out loud. It's something you do to recognize the greatness of God. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, sing like an American pop star. You see, our, our view of what it means to be able to sing is so distorted. It's so unrealistic. Everything you hear on the radio is fake. A real voice doesn't sound like that. It's been pitch corrected. It's been reverbed. It's been put in a special environment. And so you've been duped into believing that you can't sing. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. It says... Rejoice. And when it says rejoice, it means to do it out loud. Verbalize your praise. Sing it to him with the voice he gave you. And don't worry about what it sounds like and what other people think, because it doesn't matter. What matters is that you lift up the name of God. Got it? Sing with me. Oh, oh, oh. 
34, 3 through 5 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. That verse was my mantra for the week. And he was faithful to deliver me from my fears. God, we exalt you this morning. We worship your name. And at all times, may your praise be on our lips. God, we seek after you, for in you alone life is found. For in you alone our hope is found. For in you alone our joy is found. God, you are worthy of so much more than we can give you. But this morning we come and we give you our hearts. We give you our praise and we give you our attention We give you our love. And God, I pray against all the other things in this world that grab for those things. God, I pray that you would be first and foremost in our lives. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just be so noticeable and real to us in such a real and clear way. God, I pray that... The worship we have for you would be on our minds all week and that you would put a song in our heart for you. God, I pray that our desire to seek you would grow, that our passion for you would become a flame. And God, I pray for this church, that your spirit would be poured out here, that our vision would be contagious, and that you would enlarge our territory in this community. God, the scripture, Lord Jesus, that I read at the beginning, says that you will deliver us from our fears. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for those here that have fears that bind us, that you would deliver us. Lord, that we would exalt you, that we would seek you, and that you would deliver us from our fears. God, I pray for marriages here, that you would strengthen them, that you would unite them, and that there would be a bond Lord God, with you in the middle, God, I pray that um, there would be joy in our families again. I pray for families um, with kids. Lord God, I pray for families that have a desire for a child that they have not that has not happened yet. God, I pray for the one that desires a partner that they have not seen yet. God, I pray that you would just abound in miracles in this place. I pray that you would heal the sick. Set free the prisoner. Break the bonds of addiction. And I pray that your love would invade our home and hearts. I pray for Jason as he brings the word. Lord God, that your power would just be seen here. All glory to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take a moment and greet somebody this morning.
Good morning and welcome again. And to those of you joining us online, we're glad that you're with us. If this is one of your first weeks with us, hopefully you were greeted this morning and have received a connection card. Um, If you bring that over to the information center at the end of service, there is a gift waiting for you. Also, you can scan the QR code in your bulletin to let us know that you're here and a little bit about you. And we pray that you feel very welcome because you are. Um, This afternoon at 4 o'clock, we will be back to Awana and Youth. So Awana meeting here, preschool through 6th grade and youth up at the fellowship hall for your 7th through 12th graders and we are looking forward to getting back after an extended break so we hope to see you this afternoon also happening Wednesday um, Pastor Jerry has started his new series on Exodus so you are very welcome to join Bible study there they've only been through one week so now's the time to um, join as he continues in that series Wednesday night at 7 the heat will be on we promise so a warm place to come and be amongst friends on Wednesday night. Um, next week, right after service, um, as soon as we get things settled around 12 o'clock, we'll be having our annual business meeting. There are reports out in on the welcome tables that you are welcome to take and look over. Um, but we invite you, especially if you are a member, to come and sign in. And if you're not a member, please come and um, hear about what we've been doing this year and be part of the process of SDC because um, we are grateful for what God is doing and we want you to be a part of it so next week after church also men's pizza night put it on your calendar um, that's this friday january 19th up at the fellowship hall have some pizza with the guys get to know some new people maybe um, so you are invited to that bob and his team would love to see you <clears throat> excuse me up there on friday night and again as we are Glad to welcome you here. That is one of our core values. So we hope that you do feel welcome. We hopefully, hopefully you've got to meet a new, a couple new faces this morning. Um, If you're a person who's here all the time, we pray that you would welcome um, new people as you see them. So we thank you as you give, as you're faithful, um, that we can do those things, that we can keep our doors open and invite new people in, um, even as we go out into the community. in the ways that we serve others. So we thank you for your giving. You can give online. You can give in person. There are boxes in the back or on the welcome table. Um, And we are so thankful for the ways that we, we can be together as a family and support the ministries here. So thank you. Let's continue to stand as we worship together.
morning. Jesus, I thank you so much for how much you love us. And so we're here in response to your love. We're not here out of a sense of obligation. We're not here to earn anything. We're here in response to what you did first. God, be honored by everything we say and do this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Children, you are dismissed to kids' church. And while they're doing that, check out this video. Jason, I'm the pastor here at Faith Discovery Church. It's an honor that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your Sunday morning with us. And before we get too far, too much further into the service, I want to take a, a second to thank Pastor Jerry for sharing uh, the word with us last week. And for all of you who braved the snow, there were about 30 of you here last week in person, many online. But if you were here last week, thank you so much for being here. Um, I was, as I tuned in online, I was super inspired to see Nate in leading worship. Uh, that was awesome. And then the things Pastor Jerry shared, that was fantastic. And then there was a noise that happened in the room last week. If you were here, you're aware of some kind of alien uh, invasion that t- actually it was a thrown belt on the heating system that apparently sounded like a helicopter was landing in the room. And of all the things I'm glad about, I'm glad I wasn't here then, because if that had happened while I was here, I would have had some issues to work through. Um, But we... Thank you to uh, all of you all of you who are here. Thank you for the people who fixed it. There were a bunch of people as soon as the helicopter started to land, jumped up as if they were medics, and it was a medic back, and they went and handled the issue, and uh, turns out we didn't have to replace the entire heating system in the building, which I am extremely grateful for. Uh, but that's fixed, and so that was last week. We move on. I'm super excited to be back. Ultimately, really, what I missed last week was our people. I miss being at church, and I missed you. And so it's, uh, it's great to be here, and I'm uh, super excited to be here today. If you don't know, it's January. If you haven't been paying attention to the calendar, let me help you out. It's cold. Uh, every year, January has several things that come come with it. It has uh, resolutions like renewed attempts to be healthy uh, or healthier, trips to the gym, healthy eating, memes that tell that talk about people who go to gyms to the gym once a year. Uh, there's plans to be more efficient with our time, plans to be better. Oftentimes, plans to be better at something, whatever it is that you're passionate about, people tend to make a, a desire, dig in and desire to be better at that. And as we get older, what I've found, you may not be getting older. I am getting more seasoned, I've, I've found. Um, the year is 2024, and that was not, that was fine to me. I was fine. It was just the next day until I was talking to my father, and
and he referenced that my birth year is 1974, and I started to do the math, and I realized I'm hitting a number this year that I'm not prepared to get to. We don't need to dwell on it, Pastor Jerry. We just can move forward. But as I'm getting more seasoned, I'm learning that with days, with, with our opportunities to desire to get better or our goals, all of these things lead to opportunities. And I'm learning that the opportunities that we get in life uh, lead to opportunities to learn. Learning lessons is becoming incredible, uh, increasingly more valuable to me. When I was a kid, I saw experiences as opportunities to have fun, to laugh, to be outrageous, to do something stupid. Uh, but now I see opportunities as, uh, or I see experiences as opportunities, opportunities to learn. I love to learn. I love to learn because I have an insatiable appetite to learn new things. And I also have a really strong desire to be right. I love to be Anybody really love to be right? Some of you are shaking your heads like, no, not me. Nobody wants to be wrong. But some of us love to be right. I really admire people who don't get worked up about being wrong. That's such an admirable trait. But it's not really what I'm good at, so let's move on. I love experiences because they're opportunities to learn. Lessons in life are valuable. And as Christ followers, as Christians, it's, it's, there is a number of opportunities, a number of areas where we learn lessons about what it means to live the life that follows Jesus, to live a life that reflects Christ's character in the world. And so we're actually going to spend the next several weeks even a couple of months, talking about lessons of what it's like, where we can learn lessons from different areas. We're going to start by learning lessons from Jesus' teachings. Over the next several weeks, we'll talk about what's come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus really gave a, a, a detailed explanation of what it's like to reflect God's character in the world. And then after we talk about lessons from Jesus, we'll go on to learn lessons from uh, actually the cities listed in Revelation. And we'll talk a little bit. I'll teach them a little bit of what I learned as I went on my trip of Paul's missionary journeys last summer. And then we'll talk about lessons from the people who follow Jesus. But all of that begins with understanding the importance of learn what we can learn from Jesus. Um, now, as Christ followers, you're probably saying well it's obvious we should learn if we're going to be a christian we should isn't it obvious isn't it always what we should be talking about lessons from jesus and yes that's true but uh oftentimes we not just as christians but in life we tend to accept the fundamentals as basics 
and as the basis for things, but we often overlook them and go to more intricate things. And so for the first couple of weeks this year, I want to talk about the, ba- the basic foundational ideas of what Jesus taught, and he, he teaches those. There's a, there's a passage in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, it's, it has a sister pa- passage. Luke also gives a, an account of that message. And so we'll talk about the, what, uh, what Jesus is talking about because it's important for us to learn from Jesus. You see, each one of us has been uniquely created by God. And we all have a part to play in his story, in his church, in this world. You have a unique calling and purpose that God desires to work in and through. And as part of that, Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is wanting to teach you and lead you into fulfilling your God-given purpose. Now, maybe you've never heard someone tell you you have a specific and unique and individualistic purpose in this world. If that's you, if you've never heard that, let me be the first to tell you. You have a specific, unique, and important purpose in this world. No matter if your parents planned you or not, God has a plan for you. And he wasn't surprised when you were born, when you were created. You are part of his plan of unveiling his power and his glory in his redemption throughout throughout eternity. And he has an important part for you to play in revealing himself in the world. Every one of us has an important part that we can play in the church. Now, some of us... Stand in front of the church and and talk. That does not mean we're more important than anyone else. We are all created in God's image, and we all have a specific purpose for for uh, to play in His creation in His kingdom. Pastor Jerry talked about kingdom last week. We're part of a kingdom. We're citizens of a kingdom, and in that we have a role to play. There's an important thing, part that you play. Now, may, it's a, there's an important part, part for you to play here at church. But it's not just here at church. It's in this world. And so as, as, as we talk about that, I want to provide for you an in-depth look at how Jesus calls us into our purpose and then empowers us to accomplish it. Next Sunday, we'll really start to look at the Sermon on the Mount. But this morning, I want to give you an example of what it looks like when Jesus, is, when Jesus calls people and then, and then walks them into the calling that, they have for, that he has for them. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, in the in, uh, New Living Translation, it says, in verse 18, it says, One day, and you can read on the screen behind me. As Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, uh, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting on a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets, and he called to them to, he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. 
Jesus calls Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and tells them that he'll teach them to fish for people. These guys were fishermen. And so I have to imagine that it must have been weird for them to hear that they were going to learn to fish for people. It must have been weird for them to think about it. I'm guessing that, I wonder if even part of the reason they followed Jesus immediately was their curiosity about what exactly this guy was talking about. You see, they were fishermen. We live in a world where the comics exist. Some people who like comics are Marvel comics people. And some people who like comics are DC comics people. And one of the characters in the DC comics people is a character named Aquaman who lives in the water. But this was before Aquaman had been created even as a cartoon. And Jesus is telling these guys who fish on the water that they're going to be fishers of men. And they got to be wondering, what is all of that about? People don't live in the water. When you read this, one one can take uh, as a way that Jesus calls them to follow him. And that's certainly true. That's part of the story. So Jesus calls them, and he calls them to follow him, and that's part of the story. But he tells them implicitly in in chapter 4, I'm going to teach you to fish for men. And then several chapters later in Matthew chapter 10, we read Jesus follow through on this commitment to teach them to fish for men. Jesus tells them what he's got, the plan he's got for them, and then he teaches them and empowers them to go follow through in it. What unfolds is an account of the disciples learning to be the voice of Jesus. They learn for what it is to speak for Jesus when he's not with them, which a few years later would become the rest of their life. He teaches them how to be an example. He teaches them how to be him. And this serves as an example for how Jesus teaches his people. And we, you, are his people. Learning how intentional Jesus helps us develops in us a trust in him. When you know how intentional Jesus is for you and you see that come through in your life, you learn to develop a trust in Jesus that he is leading us, that he is intentional about the way he guides us and that he has specific things for us and that he wants us to be successful in those things. God didn't create you with a unique purpose and then like hope that you're not good at it. No, he created you with a unique purpose and then he wants to empower you through his Holy Spirit so that you combined or partnered with him can accomplish all that he created you to accomplish. And so Jesus teaches his disciples specific things about the calling that he has for them. As a teacher, Jesus gives specific lessons. And in this Matthew 10 passage, we're not going to, we're going to read several verses from it as we go through. 
But you'll see that Jesus is very specific about what he offers the people he's teaching, his disciples, you. The first thing I propose that Jesus offers as a teacher is a mission. Jesus offers a mission. He offers a purpose. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, it says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Jesus calls them together and he tells them what they're about to go do. Now, if you're... Just as an aside, if you're Peter or Andrew or James and John, and you're thinking back to the day he called you to be a fisher of men, do you wonder which is weirder for them to hear, that they're going to fish for men or they're going to cast out evil spirits and heal people? Completely unnatural for them to assume that any of those things would have ever been part of what they were going to do with their life, but they meet Jesus, they have this encounter with Jesus, and he calls them into something new some of you god has a purpose for your life that you've never even thought of and it's things that you don't think you'd be good at but when you encounter jesus when you the holy spirit begins to work in you and his power works through you you begin to accomplish things you never thought you could do because jesus has a mission he has a purpose for you Jesus had a mission himself. We, we know what Jesus' mission was. In Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, it says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, which was his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be free, and that the time of the Lord's favor had come. Jesus had an understanding of what his purpose was, what his mission was. And because he understood that, he was intentional about doing it. And so when he's developing disciples, when he's training his people, he gives them a mission too. He's specific about what he's calling them to do, and he's teaching them how to do it. In today's business culture, we know that a clearly defined mission is, is essential for the effectiveness and efficiency of, a, of an organization. We have a mission statement here at Faith, uh, Faith Discovery. We want to make a measurable difference for the kingdom of God. In, a, in an article from Forbes magazine, uh, the writer William Craig writes, When you promote your mission to your employees... It results in a higher level of employee engagement and positive work culture, keeping them invested in the good work your company does when they go about their day-to-day tasks. We've learned in our American business society what Jesus already knew, that articulating a specific mission is important. Jesus called the church into a specific mission. Jesus sent his disciples on a specific mission. He's called this church into a specific mission. And you have a part to play in that. You have a mission that is part of the bigger mission of Jesus. None of us are meant to be observers. We are all key members of the team. All of us. We're all important. 
when when I was a, a kid, I was an athlete. You may not know to look at me now, but at least I, I thought of myself as an athlete. And um, I was pretty good until uh, my sophomore year in college. I mean, sophomore year in in high school. And I, my coach didn't think I was as good as I thought I was. Bad coach. And so I didn't, my, my sophomore year of, of, of high school basketball, I didn't play a lot of varsity. And um, that was a little frustrating for me. But I, I had a choice. I could find a way to contribute or I could just watch the game. And so the kid who was in front of me in, in playing time, I started working with him. Because the one thing I hated worse than not playing was losing. If I'm not going to play, we're going to win. Because if we're going to play, and I, if I'm not going to play, we're going to lose, then what's the point of even being there? And so I started working with that kid. And we, like, pregame, we would go over moves. We would talk about the scouting report. We would, I would walk him through specific things in the game to the point where my coach saw what I was doing and started to say, what are you doing? I was like, I got to contribute somehow. You may feel like sometimes you're not sure how much you should play in God's kingdom. You have a role in God's kingdom. You have a purpose. You have a mission. And maybe that mission's behind the scenes. Maybe that mission's out front. You're specifically, uniquely gifted to play a part in God's unfailing of his presence in this world. None of us are meant to be observers. But it's not just a mission that God gives us. He gives us instruction. In Matthew, in that same chapter, in Matthew 10, in verse 7, it says, He said to them, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Here's what I want you to say. When you get there, here's what you tell them. This this verse reminds me of a conversation that I'm, I'm having more and more as, I, uh, as my two older sons get older. Um, they get, they've gotten to a place where really my role in their, in, their, in their life is coach and consultant. And so they're, they're having first-time experiences, whether through job interviews or, or, or driving car or those kinds of things. And I've been talking specifically, especially to our oldest uh, about interviews and about the conversations he's going to have. And as they get, uh, I, they find themselves in situations where they need to speak for themselves. And so we often have conversations about the conversation. You ever been to the meeting before the meeting? Well, we have the meeting before the meeting, and I will say to them exactly what they should say. Listen, this is the question they're going to ask, and here's how you should say it. Here's what you should say, and here's how you should say it. Like, how you should say, you know this, is as important as what you should say. And that's why text sometimes can get us in trouble. Because tone doesn't come through text. Jesus says, go and tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. He gives them specific instructions how to carry out their mission. 
Have you ever, have you ever been sent on a, on a, on a mission or, uh, uh, or, or an errand and you weren't exactly sure how you, what you should do or how, what you should say? I have a buddy, uh, who we were just out of high school and he was working in a pizzeria. And, uh, he was the dish guy at the pizzeria and he went into the, he got to the pizzeria one day and next to the pizzeria was a dry cleaners. And he gets to the pizzeria for work and his boss says, Scott, I need you to go next door and get a bucket of steam. He went, what? I need you to go next door and get a bucket of steam. Now he's young and stupid. Doesn't know must be something that he doesn't know about. So he's like, how do I? And the guy goes, go next door. Jim will be there. Say to Jim, you need a bucket of steam. And he'll give you a bucket of steam to bring back. Okay. So he goes next door to the dry cleaners. And he says, I need a bucket of steam. And Jim picks up a bucket and hands it to him. It's totally empty. Just hands it to him. There it is. And he looks at it. And he looks at the guy. Okay. He walks back to the pizzeria. And he hands the guy the bucket. And everybody starts laughing because it's obviously a practical joke. There's no such thing as a bucket of steam. But he didn't know that because he's a young boy. And uh, 20-year-old boys are stupid. Some of us. But you ever been sent on a mission? He was sent on a mission. He knew exactly what he was supposed to say. Good prep. You ever been sent somewhere you're just not really sure what to do? Jesus covers that. When he sends you on a mission, he instructs you how to fulfill the mission. He also gave them direction. In verse 5 and 6 it says, Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Sumerians. Only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. By the way, this was specific for this mission. So he's given them instruction. He's given them a mission. He's given them instruction. He's given them direction. Listen, here's how you're going to be most successful today. These are the people I want you to talk to. When you go next door to get a bucket of steam, talk to Jim. When you go to return the item that you mistakenly purchased, here's who you talk to. Jesus is developing these guys to know how to think, how to be intentional about what they're doing. He gives them direction. They had specific directions about where to go and who to talk to. Joy and I were away this week, and while we were driving around, there were a few instances where we got behind someone who didn't exactly know where they were going. You know when the, you know when the person in front of you is not sure about where they're going. There's classic signs. They're going under the speed limit. Uh, their blinker goes on and then off and then on and then off. You see their head darting around. Um, you the road veers and they get stuck in the middle. And you wonder, why aren't they just using their phone? When, when you're behind someone who doesn't know their directions, it becomes pretty obvious and not at all frustrating. Having direction is important. You need to know where you're going in order to get where you're going. 
Jesus gave them gives us direction. Jesus provided expectations. In verses 16 through 18, it says, Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. Sure you want to be a follower of Jesus on that one? Oh, the disciples must have been so happy after verse 1. We're going to be people who cast out evil spirits and heal people. That's the part of discipleship I want to be part of. And then Jesus says, but let me tell you what you can expect when you follow me and you talk for me. Why is this important? Because we need to know what we're going to expect. Because we're going to face trials. Jesus told us that. And, and when we face difficulties unexpectedly, it can crush trust. Those of you, many of you know I'm a Patriots fan. This week, uh, Bill Belichick's time as Patriot coach came to an end. And because of that, there's been several articles written about him and their time together. And I haven't read all of them, but I've read a lot of them. And there was one thing as I was reading about them that stuck out to me. And it was a quote from another coach named Nick Saban, who worked for Belichick in the early 90s and has since become the, the most prolific college football coach. And he talked about his experience of working for Belichick and what he learned from him. And he said, the thing I, th- the, I think the thing I learned most from Bill was how he defined every expectation of everything in the organization. How you brought players to the team, how you wanted the team to look on the field, how he defined critical factors for what he expected at every position. This helped me tre- tremendously because you know what you're looking for all the time. A lot of coaches don't define it, so sometimes you get people that don't fit into your system or they think you want something different than you want. It's that Saban's insight helped explain why Belichick had such consistent success in New England since 2000. The Patriots head coach is incredibly detail-oriented, and I love this, by setting expectations throughout the organization, he made sure every coach, Every player and every administrator knew exactly what to expect from themselves and from others. There was no gray area in what was expected of you. He helped you do your job, play your role in such a way because he defined exactly what he expected of you. Clarity is incredibly important. Jesus told his disciples what to expect so that they'd be prepared for when it happened. God did not design you to fail in your purpose. He designed you to thrive in your purpose. And the teaching of Jesus, combined with the work of the Holy Spirit, prepare us to do God's work. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do what? The good things he planned for us to do a long time ago. 
Before you were ever a thought, God had a plan for you. And he doesn't just say, okay, here's the plan for you. I want you to be X. Go figure it out. The Holy Spirit walks us through the journey. Jesus provided his disciples with wisdom. In verses 11 through 14, it says, Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it's not, take the blessing back. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that town. I want you to talk to them. I want you to heal people. I want you to cast out evil spirits. But when they get there, but when you get there, if they're not willing to listen to you, don't make a big deal of it. Just go to the next town. You know how many times in my life I walked into the errand, but I wasn't successful for whatever reason, and I just banged my head against the wall because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And just forced myself to be successful, no matter how unsuccessful it was. Forced myself to be welcome, no matter how unwelcome I was. And Jesus says to his people, when you see that, just go to another town. Don't give yourself a headache. The Holy Spirit wants to impart wisdom into your life. And this happens through a number of ways. Most definitely, and most often, through Scripture. Through the reading, the studying of Scripture. That's it's one of the reasons it's so important to know Scripture, to spend time in the Word, because the Holy Spirit takes what you've studied, what you've read, and brings it to your recall in a moment of importance. A study, a study of wisdom in Scripture finds that wisdom enriches, that it protects, that it exalts, that it beautifies. Here's a, here's a summary of wisdom. It's found in Proverbs 4.4. 4. The wise father says, keep my commandments and live. Wisdom helps you live. Foolishness gets you in trouble. I know that from scripture and my own experience. Wisdom helps you live and prosper. Live an enriched life. Live a protected life. Live an honorable life. Live a beautiful life. Follow the wisdom of Jesus. Two more. Jesus provides motivation. Look at verses 19, uh, 29 through 31. What is the price of two sparrows one or one copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without the father knowing it. And the very heads, hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Jesus knows everything about the sparrow. He watches over them. But you, but you it can't hold a candle to his importance to you. You are loved by God. 
And God wants to include you in his story of redemption. The difference between you and everything else in creation is that you bear his image. You, more than anything else in creation, have the ability to reflect his image to the world. His role for you matters. You're not a legacy person in the kingdom just because your parents were Christians. The specific, unique, important role that Jesus has for you matters. And you'll never really know just how much it matters to maybe someday in heaven when you find out all the people who are there because of your work. Lastly, Jesus provided authority. Back to verse 1 and then to verse 8. It says, Jesus called his disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Jesus sent them out with authority. He didn't say, go see if you can do this. He said, go do this. This week I saw a video of an interview with Adam Grant, who is a well-known TED Talk person. If you watch TED Talks, you've probably seen him. He's a, uh, a pr- professor. He studies popular science, and um, he really works in organizational psychology. And he was doing this interview uh, with Jennifer Garner, who's an actress. And she asked him, do you have any wisdom for one who members younger members of a team, who mentors younger members of a team? Do you have anybody, do you have any wisdom for a person who coaches or leads or develops or mentors other people? And he said, uh, he, he said, my favorite experiment shows that you can say 19 words and people will become dramatically more receptive to what you're about to deliver. If you start your coaching with these 19 words, the people you're mentoring will, in, uh, studies show, are, are definitively more successful in carrying out the goal. And here are the words. I'm giving you these comments because I have very high expectations and I'm confident you can reach them. If you'll start developing people by telling them you believe in them and that they'll be you believe they can be successful you know what we find they're way more likely to be successful jesus starts by saying i'm sending you out and i'm giving you authority to do this jesus has empowered us through the holy spirit It turns out that science tells us that when you teach and prepare people and then encourage and empower them, they're entirely more capable of accomplishing the goal that was set for them. Jesus understood this before science had discovered it. God has created you. You. 
Whether you believe it about yourself or not doesn't matter. God knows it about you. God has created you for a specific purpose. And then through his Holy Spirit, he's empowering you to walk into it. To accomplish it. This morning, before we get into exactly what the teachings of Jesus are, I want you to know that God has a purpose for you. He has a calling for you. He has a unique design experience for you. And he's empowering you and wanting you to be successful in it. There are a lot of reasons to be unsure. I'm sure if you're like me, you've had a lot of people tell you all the reasons you're not capable of it. You got to turn down the volume on the negative and turn up the volume on the Holy Spirit and understand that you are more than you've ever thought you could be. And that we study the lessons of Jesus because he's preparing us to walk into what he called us to do. But I don't want to talk about those lessons until I've told you, you are who God made you to be. Your failures, your your detractors, your insecurities, your sin will all tell you why you can't be what God called you to be. Turn the volume down and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God is calling you to trust him. He's calling you to walk into the purposes he planned for you to do. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you have called us into specific, intentional, and purposeful things. Help us to trust the leading of your spirit over the leading of our minds, the leading of the the negative things people have told us. And God, I thank you that you prepare us amazingly uh, and adequately to accomplish what you've called us to do. Jesus, as we dive into your lessons, help us to open our hearts to live a life that reflects your character in this world, in this community, in this, in this valley, so that people will meet Jesus. We're asking God for more people to know Jesus through our works and the works of this church. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite the elders to come, and we're going to receive communion together. If you're new with us, this is something we do at the end of most services, and we certainly invite you to participate. Although if you're uncomfortable, you do not need to. If you're unable to come forward but would like to participate, we'll have someone bring you the elements. But we invite you to stand, come forward to receive the elements from one of our elders, and then bring them back to your seats, and we'll share together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring 
If you're new with us, the, the elements you just received, one side is a cracker. We're going to do that side first. You can open that up and take it out. But on the night, Scripture teaches us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he was at the table having dinner with his disciples. He took the bread and he broke it. And he blessed it. And he told them that the bread was his body that was being broken for them. There's no way in the world they could have understood what he was saying. But they had come to a place where they could trust him. So they listened and they heard and they followed and they obeyed. As we share communion together today, I want you to, I encourage you to think about the areas where you're not exactly sure that the way of God is, the right, is right for you. And ask God to help you to trust him in those moments, in those ways, in those areas. He's not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your insecurities. And he wants to walk with you. And so as we share the communion together today, I encourage you to invite him in to those areas of your heart. Would you pray with me? Jesus, if there are areas in our hearts that are just unsure, not malicious, or just so hard. There are times where it's hard to trust you. God, help us to trust you. Help us to turn the volume down on all the voices and turn the volume up on the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Would you take the bread? Scripture goes on to say, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The principal way, the first thing, the immediate thing, it has to happen 
to walk into the instructions and the purposes of the plans for Jesus in your life is an accepting of Jesus. Has to be. It's the basis upon everything else that's built. And so if you're here this morning, you're not sure, but you're willing to just say, you know what? I'm willing to trust that God's purposes are bigger than mine. What you need to do is simply say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And this cup is the reason we can do that. Would you pray with me? Jesus, if there's anyone here who's saying that for the first time, I pray you'd give them the courage to walk into your truth. Help us. Help each of us in person, online, to say, Jesus, I'm open to you and your ways. God, I pray as we study your lessons that we would be people who reflect your character, that we would be a church that reflects your character into the darkness of the world. In your name we pray. Would you take the drink? Would you stand as I offer today's benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Jesus, I pray that this week we would walk into the purposes and the mission that you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.